0: Good
1: morning, I'm Anna Palmer.
0: And I'm Jake Sherman.
1: And welcome to The Daily Punch, brought to you by Punchbowl News. It's Wednesday, May 11th, 2022. Let's get into the mix. Here are your Washington headlines of the day. Number one, the Senate's abortion vote. Number two, whatever happened to the Stock Act? And number three, the results of Tuesday's primaries for Donald Trump. All right, Jake, let's get into it. The debate over the future of abortion rights is squarely uh, in the Senate right now, and um, they're going to vote today on whether to invoke cloture on the Women's Health Protection Act. That is legislation that's designed to codify the 1973 Roe versus Wade decision into law. It's a big moment for the Senate, but it's a foregone conclusion, basically, that this legislation is going to fail.
0: Yeah, it's going to fail. Um, and, uh, what democratic leadership tells us, um, is that, uh, this is, they have to, they have to do something. (laughs) They have to pass this bill. They say that they want to put everyone on the record. Um, but the reality is it's going to fail. Joe Manchin is going to probably be against the legislation. Um, uh, Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski, two Republican senators who have been uh, for abortion rights, are going to vote against the legislation for a variety of reasons. They say it doesn't include conscious protections for um uh, Catholic hospitals that don't want to perform abortions. Uh, there's a whole host of reasons why this is going to fail. You know, it's gotten me thinking. I was talking to a Republican aide uh, yesterday at at the Senate vote, and um, just as like a general proposition, I think both parties don't do a good job in being honest about how these kinds of votes end up. I mean, you were you and I remember cuz we covered this back in the day when Republicans would vote endlessly to end the Affordable Care Act. Like those those efforts were never going to succeed. Um this effort is not going to succeed. They just don't have the votes. There's no way to get the votes. There's no it's not as if if they eliminated the filibuster, they'd have the votes. They don't have 51 votes here to um they don't have the votes, period. You know, it just it's it, it's a really tough political situation for Democrats who have been fighting for, I mean, years to preserve the right, uh, preserve women's rights, right to choose to uh, uh, have abortion services and, and other uh, health programs. That This has been a, a key tenet of the Democratic Party for, you know, 40, 50, 60 years and um, but you know the, the the Democratic leadership in the Senate has said that a it's important to get people on the record, as I said, and to, and B, it's a um, it's a new world out there. They say it's a new world that in in that Roe at this point, based on what we know from Josh Kirstein's reporting in Politico, um, it looks like Roe is going to be overturned. Uh, what do you think of the political impacts?
1: Yeah, I mean it's you know. Of course, it matters. Votes, votes matter when you win them. Of course, right? That that is the, the baseline case. I think in most situations, I do think Democrats um, are are making a point here, and I think there have been some surprises. Senator Casey out of Pennsylvania coming out in support of uh, the legislation, for example, um, where when you kind of put pressure on senators, uh, they may change their position. Obviously, three key senators. Have haven't done that right now. And that includes Senator Joe Manchin. That includes Republican senators. Um, You know, when it comes to Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski, who said that they're going to vote against cloture here. um, That's the same thing that that trio did in February on this bill. Um, Two months prior to that, this big leak out of the Supreme Court. Um, but I, I, you know, at the same thing time, I can understand what, what Schumer is saying. There's a ton of pressure right now on the left, uh, that not only to pass something, but to push Democrats to get on the record about this, this is going to be, it's also a way for them to continue to make sure that this is an issue that stays front and center, right? Democrats want to be talking about this. Republicans don't. Democrats do. It, 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 full stop. When it comes to the mid, the midterm elections, this is something that they think could actually energize their base. And so I, I think the politics for Democrats, you know, I think Schumer's doing what he needs to do. The question is, you know, does this become Obamacare, like you kind of suggested for Republicans, where they're not just taking this vote, but then do they start just taking votes on row, you know, every other week or so, or, you know, as as much as possible. I don't know that we go. it goes that far, but it certainly Appears that they're they're obviously going to take this vote today.
0: I, well, and I, I'd also say uh, two other things that I want to that I want to mention here. First of all, um, the House Judiciary Committee is holding a hearing uh, about uh, abortion in the next couple. I think next week, um, and that's you know that the House has already codified Roe. In a vote earlier this year. So they've already taken this action. Obviously, the House is Democratic. Pelosi has. Ha, there is no filibuster in the House. So the, the House has more has more ability has, has uh, you know, uh, to pass legislation without without Republican participation, broadly speaking. Um Number two, I, I do think the House is going to have to take a, another vote here just to hammer the point home. Uh, and, and the point that the Democratic leadership in the House and Senate are making, and I think it's important to note, is that this is only the, what they say is this is only the beginning. This is the um if if roe is overturned they say republicans are going to try to take away rights um for same-sex marriage and and all sorts of other private decisions and that's that's the warning that that democratic leadership is giving um to uh to the public that this is only the beginning and i just want to be careful to note we're not equating overturning the affordable care act to abortion we're just saying the the um organizing philosophy around these votes is is what we're comparing. So I just want to be incredibly careful to make sure to to say we're not comparing the two issues on the substance, just the, the internal politics of taking those votes.
1: All right, let's move on to the number two story of the morning. Uh, an interesting update. Congress stalling on stock trading ban. Jake, you will certainly remember the uh, number of... Members of Congress that were hot to jump on the uh, political train of trying to curb stock trading by members of Congress. We reported about Speaker Nancy Pelosi, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer backing these efforts. Um, after you know, there was a barrage of media reports of stock trading by lawmakers and aides, um, often f- uh, for companies or you know with companies that had business before Congress. So dozens of these lawmakers had failed to disclose those transactions in a timely manner. With the value of trades running into the millions of dollars over multiple years, a serious issue. Um, but it's pretty stunning of that it can kind of emblematic of a larger kind of trend sometimes on Capitol Hill where an issue will k- get a lot of uh, steam, but then, you know, nothing actually ends up happening because it's much more complicated to get down to the the writing of bills.
0: Yeah, hugely complicated, right? I mean, um, the big issue here is that uh, what do you – I mean – that we we've got first of all let's just start with this this is gone nowhere there's been one uh, hearing on this, we talked to the people involved in the um, in the legislation. People like John Ossoff, Democrat of Georgia, who is frustrated that this hasn't gone anywhere. Uh, our own Max Cohen asked Chuck Schumer at the um, at the news at his news conference yesterday about this. He said he hopes to do something before the end of the year. Hopes brings eternal Anna, um, but <laughs> there are a lot of questions here, right? I mean, what do you do with families? I mean, what do you do about uh, education funds, uh, education accounts? What do you do? There's just a whole host of of complications here that Congress has not been able to get around. I mean, I think there's a growing outrage from what I could tell, what you I could see. And and it's really gotten into the public consciousness that like members of congress are trading stocks and their families are trading stocks and oftentimes it looks as if I'm not saying it is I have no idea it looks as if that lines up with legislation and and or or events I mean you, you had people who who uh, I mean Richard Burr got in hot water after uh, some trades by him his family um around the coronavirus uh when when covid was first you know becoming an issue uh, him dumping some stocks. I mean, it's just a big. I mean, Anna, you and I also oftentimes say it's not what's legal. It's not what's illegal that's that's maddening. It's what's legal that happens, that is permitted, that is um, the most maddening and and the most crazy. And it's it it is it does seem crazy that members of Congress have very very few. Um, uh restrictions around what kind of stock what they could trade what they could do in their own portfolio I mean members of Congress get uh information all the time they just get they get information they they are in the information business. Um, so anyhow, um, uh, so I, I just, I, it, it's not gone anywhere. We are going to cover this. We're going to stay on it. We're going to keep pounding on members of Congress and the leadership to, uh, talk about their plans here. All
1: right, let's move on to the number three story of the morning. Uh, yesterday was a Big primary day in Nebraska and West Virginia. We kind of called this out looking at, you know, former President Donald Trump's candidates, whether or not uh, the the who he backed won, and he kind of had a split decision basically. Uh, Charles Herbster, former President Donald Trump's candidate for governor of Nebraska, lost his GOP primary race last night to Jim Pillen, who had the endorsement of the Republicans in the state, including current Nebraska Governor Pete Ricketts. Um, he got Pillen got thirty three percent of the vote. Herbster had thirty point four percent, and State Senator Brett Lindstrom had twenty six point one percent. Um, You know, it's one race, and I don't think you can make too much out of the fact that Trump's candidate lost, given the fact that uh, his preferred candidate, Charles Herpster, uh, was accused last month of groping eight women, Jake, during public events, including a GOP state senator. Um, You know, I think the lesson remains, I think you'll probably agree with me, you know, Donald Trump is the most powerful person in the Republican party. Uh, And as much as, as he starts to weigh into some of these races, he's not going to win all of them. He had a better outcome in West Virginia.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I, like you said, I'm not going to make uh, a, we're, we're not going to make a big deal of any individual loss by Trump. He lost in in Nebraska. That's, uh, is it a blow to him? You know, I don't know. He's going to lose some races and he's going to win some races. Um, the uh, I would say this uh, in West Virginia, that's a it was a member on member primary between uh, Alex Mooney and David McKinley, Trump back Mooney, Mooney won handily Trump's candidate, Charles Herbster lost to Jim Pillen in Nebraska. Uh, that's a loss for Trump. I mean, if he bats 50, if he bats 500, if he wins half of his races, that's better than a lot of <laughs> a lot of uh, uh, endorsers in in the um, in the uh, uh, political sphere. I would, that's that's a big that's a big you know that's a point worth worth just considering. Um, Joe Manchin endorsed this is interesting. Endorsed David McKinley in that West Virginia race. McKinley lost. Manchin is a longtime public official um, uh, in West Virginia. Obviously, was the governor, longtime senator. So you know, you, as they say, Anna, you win some, you lose some.
1: There you go. Before we let really you go, I just want to note for everyone that. Last night, we celebrated the launch of the Punch Up. Uh, The Punch Up is a platform that is vital to what we are doing. It's a multi-pronged initiative uh, that is bringing together a wide variety of voices and experiences in the ESG space. Uh, Target is our partner on this uh, platform. We're going to be convening leaders and informing our community of readers about this in our inaugural year, Jake. We're going to be taking on two pillars, that of racial equity, and sustainability. You can learn more about The Punch-Up at our website. It has its own um, page that you can you can navigate to. The Punch-Up, again, is its name. Um, really excited that a lot of our community came out last night to celebrate, came up to both of us saying they loved the podcast. So we appreciate you. Uh, we just want to say thanks so much for listening. You can leave us a rating and review. You can also subscribe to Punchbowl News at punchbowl.news. Have a great day and stay safe.